Welcome to the Hue You Know podcast, where we discuss all things relative to media and entertainment, all designed to support our career growth. From networking to breaking in the industry to climbing up the ranks, whether you're a newbie in this industry or a veteran, this podcast is for you. My name is Shirley Renee Williams, and I am your host, executive producer, director extraordinaire, and not only do I love this media industry that we work in because I get to tell amazing stories that matter and impact the planet for the better, but I get to do it with some of the most brilliant and amazing masterminds on earth. All right, all right, all right, all right. So we are here today with Fanshin Cox, the former SVP of Impact and Development at Pearl Street Films. She is also the co-host of the Webby-nominated podcast, Sister Brunch, mm, and July 22. <laughs> thank you, I got that one right. You did, you did. In July 2021, she started True Jalo Productions, an entertainment and media production company that uplifts stories that speak truth in pursuit of justice and service of love. And I love all that because I am all things love. Everything I yes. do is in love, for love. So the fact that you have such a mission-driven company rooted in love for the service and intent of love, I'm in love just <laughs> being here so in your good. presence. Well, I've been in love with Hugh, do you know, for a very long time. So I'm thrilled and I'm, I'm pinching myself that I'm even here. As soon as I saw your call, I was like, oh, I'd give anything and thought it was a pipe dream. And here I am. So oh, I love it. And big shout out to our fearless leader, Bree Frank, who created Hugh, you know, who everyone yes. knows I'm op openly and publicly obsessed with. Uh, <laughs> but so when I, uh, when I started to ideate around a podcast, what I really wanted to do, I, I do all these uh, speaking engagements and informational meetings, and mm -hmm. I talk with a lot of people who are either, well, actually everyone, right? Because we're a community and our community consists of a little bit of everybody. But I speak to a lot of folks who are either new to the industry, wanting to enter mm -hmm. the industry, or in some some sort of transition. And a mm -hmm. lot of people need support with helping that transition, helping to break it and help just helping to figure it out. So I wanted mm -hmm. to do like, how can I give lessons to the culture? Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna dig straight into it. I Let's want you to it. start from the beginning and tell me how you even got started in this crazy world of production. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, when I was nine years old, I was cast in a production. I was in a bilingual elementary school. We had Spanish and English, uh, half the day in each. And we did a production of the Nutcracker and I got cast as the fairy godmother or something like that. I had all of about two seconds on stage and there was just something about being there on stage that. I decided then and there, went home and told my parents everything, this is the thing I want to do. So I was an actor for a really long time. My first love was definitely in theater. Um, and so I did a lot of community theater growing up. I went to a high school with an incredible theater program. In fact, that's where I met Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Um, and we all became, we were best friends. Matt and I in particular were best friends because we were really into theater and, um, and you know, we kind of became a very close knit group. Those of us who did theater together, uh, went to the university of Michigan, started off doing theater, but didn't love the kind of Shakespeare route. Didn't love the, the fact that like black and brown folks were missing from a lot of the curriculum and, and I started to question that. So I got together with my other friends at school and we created Black Theater Workshop so that we could do our own shows, you know, writing our shows. Um, I also started a, a, a kind of a small production organization called Kuumba, uh, which stands for creativity, if you all celebrate um, Kwanzaa. And so already I was starting to get to, to feel what it would be like to not just be a performer, but also to produce things and, um, you know, to be helpful on that end. 
I then joined the Peace Corps and I lived in West Africa for two years, um, not doing theater <laughs> there, but teaching English. So I became a, a, a teacher. So I did, um, I taught English, but, but was still like the stage manager of their shows. And we had a drama club, always maintaining that interest. Um, I went to graduate school in New York where I taught in the South Bronx and I taught, um, I taught ESL there, uh, English as a second language. And again, was the stage manager, started, you know, the theater club. And then finally, it was my students who said, we love you. We love you as a teacher, but you tell us we should pursue our dreams and we know you want to go for it. Just go for it, Ms. Cox. I know it was the most beautiful gift that my own students gave me and said, you know, well, you have to model what you keep telling us. Mm -hmm. So I moved out to LA in 01. I, I reached out to Matt and Ben and was like, I'm, I'm making this move. And, you know, they were already, you know, they won the Oscar and everything. And so we were in very different paths. Um, but eventually I went to grad school and that changed everything. I did my MFA um, in TV, film and theater at Cal State LA. And that's where I could take all of those lessons that I learned and put them into one. Um, and so my thesis was my one woman show, One Drop of Love. And I got to tour with the show across the country for seven years. Matt and Ben came on board as executive producers of that show. Um, I'm guessing we're gonna talk about Effie Brown and Project Greenlight at some point, but one about a year into my doing the show with them as executive producers that show came out and we had some very important transparent conversations and that led to them bringing me on to pearl street to kind of encourage maybe to kind of bring us back to our how we grew up which was loving and progressive it was everything trujillo stands for so that's my long long story of how i ended up then working in the entertainment industry okay so <laughs> oh my gosh right yes a lot. Yeah, yes, so a lot. We, yeah. and it's it's all good stuff it's all amazing <laughs> this is amazing we have an artiste an educator, a teacher, mm -hmm. a, 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 an advocate for the community. Like you are, how, how would you, if you do, how, how would you define yourself? Like what, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I liked the word. There was a word going around for a while that was artivist. I like that kind of, you know, me, you know, melding the, the art and the activism. Um, my, my mom, she was after, so when my parents got married, it was still illegal in 16 States. My dad is Jamaican. My mother is white. She's uh, Danish and Blackfeet and Cherokee. So they got married. They, that was already kind of against the rules, but they were pushing, they were constantly pushing. Um, my mom became, then became a lesbian once my parents divorced. So, it, and, and I say that to say my mom got to the point where she was like, no labels, no labels. They just confine you. So I think I'm there. I'm, I'm not gay, but I'm an ally and happy pride month, everybody. But I'm there in terms of career, in terms of what I do, which is like the labels feel like they confine us. And there's so much, especially us, right? Like, especially those of us who have all, we already have barriers in the industry. We don't need any more. We get to do all of it. We don't have to stop at producing or directing or writing. We can do all of it. So I guess multi-hyphenate is what I hear too, but every, all of it, all of the above. <laughs> I love that. And I was very intentional in asking that question. I, it's so interesting. I just, uh, I had a really great call with uh, A&E yesterday about a project okay. that they're, they want, want me to come on board to. And one of the questions yes. was like, so like, like, what do you do? And I'm like, <laughs> I got, I'm always careful about how I answer this question because not everybody can hold an answer like that, right? Not mm. everyone is conscious enough True. to know, oh wait, I'm, I'm, I'm greater than a label. I'm greater than a, a one thing. I don't fit within the confines of like producer. I do, I do multiple things depending yes. on the day of the week, depending <laughs> on, the, the needs of the project. So I love yes. that. I love that about you. Was there anything special 
that you got? Because I feel like Peace Corps is very different, right? Like, was there anything mm. special or unique that that added to your career, to your trajectory? Yeah, just survival. The the ability to be in the, in, in certainly up until that point in my life, for sure, was the hardest thing I could have ever imagined going through, living through, doing and and surviving coming out because it's a two-year commitment and so finishing those two years and and uh and being alive honestly just being alive to tell about it it was that hard so i think i think all of us can use being pushed to our limits so that we can create new limits you know, we have to maintain our spiritual health and mental health and all of those things, but we can also keep pushing. So certainly it was just the survival of it. I love that. And I speak with so many people who uh, they have spent so much of their lives in a, in a world or an industry that is very different from media entertainment, whether it be education, whether it be mm -hmm. medical. And in their minds, they think that uh, there's no value there because it's not relative to, to media and entertainment where we can always look at our past experiences and see what we can pull from it and add to this. Surely, I have that conversation daily, especially when it comes to hiring, which is what I focus on so much in the Inclusion Writer because we get told, right, that there's not enough. But I'm like, well, you're not looking in the right places because we can't just look at entertainment, you know, or what we traditionally see as, uh, you know, visual media producers. But we need to look at theater. We need to look at music. There are so many people who and educators, right, social workers, there are so many people who do tough jobs and need to be organized the way an ad needs to be organized and needs to have you know a visual like aesthetic with the way artists do there's so many places we can pull from and i always say never feel like the thing you're doing is a waste of your time because we're storytellers and the way to tell a good story is to observe the world have various perspectives so anything you're doing that's not what feels like not directly related, just turn it into it being related because it's a story. I love that. One, <laughs> we are always where we're supposed to be. And anytime yes. I get a chance to say that, I say that. Yes. That's, that's But that comes with trust and faith. And two, what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is it gives us an opportunity to use our creativity. Right. Yes. And I love that because how boring would the world be if everything was relative to this industry? But like we have people yes. who have come from so many different industries and worked in so many different worlds and they get to bring those experiences and perspectives to this, to the world yeah. of storytelling and create magic. Yes. Um, tell me about Project Involve. <laughs> Project Involve. Oh, I love Project Involve. Um, so it's a, a program created by Film Independent and um, they give you a mentor. I was in Project Involve back in 07, but I love Project Involve generally, uh, well, Film Independent generally, because it's exactly what we just said, Shirley, which is Film Independent encourages storytelling that, that starts with our truths and our mm -hmm. authenticity. And so mm -hmm. the folks that do well at Film Independent are people who are pushing the envelope in storytelling, who are talking about, you know, coming from a marginalized voice or an underrepresented voice. So it's it was so important for me to be in Project Involved early on. Then then you make relationships with people like Effie Brown, who was a mentor at the time of Project Involved. Um, so it's it, it I can't recommend strongly enough for um, especially emerging storytellers to look at film independent, look at their programs, apply to their programs, keep applying. Because uh, you learn even just through the application process, not just from being in the program. So it's wonderful. Let's go a little bit back to Pearl Street. And mm -hmm. can you tell me about uh, your, your role and the responsibilities that you had 
as SVP of Impact and Development? Like, what what is SVP of Impact and Development? <laughs> yes, right, right, right. Um, so, the when I started at Pearl Street, it was it, uh, as I said, it was kind of coming out of. Matt and Ben wanted to do better, honestly, like realizing that they needed to do better and um, and not necessarily having people around them that could encourage that. And so um, so we kind of we were, you know, they were like, you tell us what you're doing. You know, you tell us what the job is. Um, and so one of the first things I did was to reach out to Dr. Stacy Smith at USC Annenberg and they were doing these studies around representation in the inter entertainment industry. And, um, and you know, I, I reached out and said, I'd love to bring you into the office. I'd love to show these studies and your outcomes and also talk about solutions. What can we do to help change it? And so she came in and um, you know we share, shared the data with Matt and Ben and they were like, this is terrible. You know, and we've been in this industry for 20 years. You know, they started to see they were kind of perpetuating some of that, like for having not even seen it. And here they had the data and they were like, wow. Um, and so she and she had this idea. She had done an op ed to um, add a clause to a listers contracts to help um, push for uh, inclusive hiring casting uh, at the time it was for cast. We brought on, and so Matt and Ben said, yes, we'll do it. Then we brought on Kalpana Kodagal, who's this amazing uh, entertain, uh, sorry, amazing um, uh, civil rights attorney with expertise in labor law. She took our idea and then created the legal language behind it to make it like rock solid legally. And then we just started talking to the industry saying, Matt and Ben are doing this why don't you do this, you know, kind of with attorneys and agents and managers. Then Frances McDormand won her Oscar and much to all of our surprise, she said, I leave you with two words tonight, inclusion writer. <laughs> and that was the thing, that was our document we had been working on. I think we've been working on it for a year and a half or so at that point. So that was great because then I felt like I had created this tool for Matt and Ben to use, for Michael B. Jordan, for all the other folks and companies that took it on. But what I really knew was in my heart and that I could have an impact with was development because I'm not only having to beg, you know, celebrity white men to do something good. I get to be in the position of like helping a project go from the seedling of the idea and therefore getting to hire from the beginning. So after about year two at Pearl Street, I started to focus on development, but of course it was all impact development. It what I, what I wasn't doing was folks knew not to come to me if they had a role for Matt and Ben. They came to me if they had a role that the the uh, example I always use is Moonlight and how the most one of the most beautiful things about that film besides it's in and of itself is that you're sitting and you're watching the credits and you see Brad Pitt is involved. And that's what I said to Matt and Ben is like, you, you can step back, you can make the internal industry phone calls that help get this project made, help us get finance financing, you know, help in that sense. But then the marketing, the everything is about this story and these people, you step back from that. And so that was why it was really impact development because it was about inclusive. It wasn't about Matt and Ben, uh, which the other executives at the company were focused on. Fanchon, your brain, you are brilliant. Oh, sis, please, you, now I'm blushing. Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> You're brilliant. Just, oh, you too. Please. Thank you. I received that. But your 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 uh, your ability, courageousness, willingness to take influence and power, acknowledge it, see it, and see see the power and using it for good, and then using your brilliance and your heart and your love and your creativity and your talent, and say that I'm going to pair this 
with my resources, with, with my yes. network, and I'm going to, you, you, you really, your, your brain, your work really impacted this entire industry. It takes all of us. And we know that that's the, the beautiful thing about Hugh, you know, is that when we created the inclusion writer and, and we started to get pushback around the hiring, where can we find people? We were like, Hugh, you know, you know, and then, and then, and then, you know, uh, free the bid started and all these and woke you right. Like then suddenly there were all these resources, but it was great because it was happening all at the same time. So this is, this is all of us. I feel comforted even when we're in these rooms alone or we're, you know, we're tackling a, you know, a, a project and we're the only ones, it's, it's not like before. It is, we know we have our voices there behind us. Like you can do this, right? Yeah. Like you just keep, keep the course, you know, stay yeah. the course because of that. Yeah. You yeah. know, there was at one point, there's this, there's this famous clip where um, mm -hmm. years ago, Matt Damon is uh, trying to explain diversity to <laughs> Effie Brown, a very accomplished and phenomenal black filmmaker yes. uh, on his HBO show, Project Greenlight, where he basically mm -hmm. was like, diversity behind the camera, I'm paraphrasing, but diver and this was my takeaway, my interpretation, diversity mm -hmm. behind the camera isn't, um, isn't really important. Now that I know the relationship, what was that conversation like with him? <laughs> and and why is, uh, right, we don't hope, we, now that we know the work that Matt is doing, like kudos to Matt, uh, and we don't, we don't hold him hostage for a, a mistake that was made, <laughs> but- Y'all are nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's Shirley speaking for Shirley. That that's that's my own grace yes. and love being mm -hmm. extended. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. But but what was that conversation like, mm. and why is that thinking in this industry so problematic? Mm. Mm. Yeah. The, I mean, it, it literally that that show that you know that those clips from that show are what led to my working at Pearl Street because like I said, they were executive producing my one woman show. I, and I knew Effie from Project Involve. So I was so excited to, to watch them together. I was like, yes, Effie's with my boys. You know, this is gonna be so good. And I'm watching that episode and my face is just like, I, I was crying, I literally, I cried. Like I, cry, I cried um, and, and so, yeah, we, the, the calls, the call, it was plural because it became this like from on my end, it became a realization of the ways that this industry, especially the celebrities, you know, names in this industry, it's like they live on a different planet. It really is. And mm -hmm. so even somebody that you knew well, and Matt and I literally, we were best friends when we were nine years old, right? So we've known each other this whole time. But when you get in this industry, you get in this bubble and you don't listen and you don't hear. And then suddenly the people around you are not telling you full truths. And all they do is laugh at your jokes that aren't funny and tell you, you always look good and tell, right. And nobody's telling you the truth anymore. And, um, and so, you know, and it, it wasn't just me, but I was one of the people that was just like, oh, okay. You, you don't see why this was problematic and hurtful and wrong. Here's why. And, and, um, and to your point about, you know, I'm not, I'm not somebody who kind of, I'm not down with cancel culture because I'm like all of our shit stinks <laughs> and it, listen, I'm like, you, you don't, you don't want to go there cause you're at, you will get canceled. This is my thing is like, that's number one, right? All of our shit stinks. And number two, my goodness, if we don't allow one another to evolve and grow, what it like that's life that's li living is evolving and getting better right please keep preaching go yes. ahead yes so and now that's not to say that we should just be walked all over and the pe and people get to hurt us and harm us over and over and over again but it is to say that we got to give folks chances to do better 
especially when it's based on ignorance, right? And so that that's those were the conversations we were having was like, okay, here's the world you've been living in, but here's what the world really looks like. So you need to listen more. You need to, you know, you need to, you can't, you don't, you Matt, you Ben, don't get to determine whether or not something is racist because you will never in your entire life feel what racism feels like ever in your entire life. That's how the system works. So it, it was a lot of that, which, which I did both cause I was, and then, and then I was like, I can't keep doing this unless you pay me for it. And that's how I started working at Pearl. Cause there okay. is that too. Let me secure my bag. <laughs> yes. Right. Like, yeah, there's all, you know, I'm, I'm a friend, you know, and I care about you, but also, right. And so that's what led to, um, you know, to me working at Pearl street and, and then spending a lot of the rest of the time being like, could we do a public apology to, to Effie Brown? But that's for them to do that's, But that's where I was like, I, you know, I've done my piece. I'm going to focus on development. So, right. but, but it is, there, there is awareness that it caused harm and, um, and it was wrong and it was wrong. Now, now I'm like, I need to do a whole episode on like, on death to cancel culture. I hate it. It like, listen, listen, that's not love. That's not love at all. (laughs) And there, there, can you tell us a little bit about the essentials of the inclusion writer? Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. Thank you. Because I, I think, you know, it was both a blessing and a bit of a curse that that it became so public when Francis McDormand referred to it because it just became this these two words, and every and then of course there were like the white folks that were like, it's reverse discrimination, <laughs> reverse racism, sure. you know, and that right. Um, but so it is what it is is actually a process of hiring, um, and it's so it's a four step process. So the very first step is modeled after the NFL's Rooney Rule which is that you diversify your hiring pool in the first place. So as soon as there's a position open at a company, you don't go to the usual suspects for your recruitment. You go broader than that. Because that was part of the problem was just even yeah. when, when a position opens, you just go to the same people. So step one is you already, you broaden who you're going to be going out to, letting know this position is open and, and requesting resumes, et cetera. Step two then though, is to actually set targets and benchmarks. So it's not enough just to say, oh, we've opened it up. We don't know what happened, right? Now you internally with your human resources department, um, you know, or if it's a production company with one of the producers says, we are going to strive to hire X number of qualified gaffers of color. X number of qualified composers, you know, women composers, you actually set the targets. And that's a big deal because that piece hasn't been done. After you set the targets and you start your hiring during your hiring process, you are collecting the data. So, and you have to anyway, legally, right? You have for the EEOC, you have to collect this data anyway, but this is much more um, intentional because you've set these targets. So step three is collecting that data as you're going along and doing the hiring. And then step four is once you've done the hiring, you, you take a look at how you did with that d- data you collected, you compare it against your targets and benchmarks. And in the areas where you fell short on your targets and benchmarks, you make a meaningful financial contribution to the organizations, the companies that serve to uplift and nurture exactly the people that you said you couldn't find. So it's like this, this beautiful cycle that is both holding you accountable, but also helping you look in the mirror, reflect on how you're doing, and then, and then acknowledging where you fell short and not, not just acknowledging it, but doing something active and positive, which is that financial contribution. I love it. So like, how, how do people integrate it or use it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, there, there are two different ways. In, in my case at Pearl Street, when Matt and Ben are negotiating a project with a studio, let's say, 
they bring it in and they say, yes, we want to do this, but we would like you to implement the inclusion rider. So if it's on a particular project, like there's a project that I'm executive producing right now, a feature film, and we're in the casting stage and we're in looking at key personnel. So we've set our targets and benchmarks. So for example, in the casting stage, we have one woman, one role that's meaty for a woman. It's a more, it's male oriented film. So the two lead roles are men. So we have this one role that has a good solid speaking and complex character for a woman. And I'm like, our target is this has to be a woman of color, right? Like that's our target for this role. Um, but then you get, you get, you get up against the financiers that tell you, oh, only these four white women will make it meaningful enough for us to invest. But you get to say, well, we've committed to the inclusion writer and our inclusion writer in says that we are targeting this. And so we're going to ask you to stretch, go beyond who you're telling us. So it's beautiful on individual projects in that sense, that it's that constant reminder. So, so if anyone on the team comes back and pushes back, you're like, remember this document you signed, remember these four steps, this is what we need to do. So it pushes you to stop and, you know, production goes so quickly, but you're stopping way, you know, you're stopping early and saying we need to, we need to try because we said we would. And if we don't, we're going to have to pay in the end. Right. So let's 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 do this right this time. The other use for it, and this is we had a, a big rollout um, in April, uh, April last year is um, now companies are adopting it. So AMC Networks uses it for company wide. So they'll have like they're looking at a slate of projects. So when they look at their data, it's not just an individual project, it's their, you know, their projects over the year, year over year. Um, and uh, Endeavor Content, I have to mention Dr. Tasman Plater, who's uh, human resources at Endeavor Content, and he brought in this extra supplemental materials that are like a playbook, basically, for using it at a company. So now it's not just individual, but it is that still too. But now it's also systemic, right? These are actually companies that are saying system-wide, this is important to us. So it works both of those ways. Do you know how many companies and or projects have used it to date? We don't have the count on projects. And we, we, we're kind of happy with that only in the sense that we don't want it to feel limited. Like we don't want people to be like, I have to work with Fanchin in order to do this, or I have to work with Kalpana, right? Like, we, so fortunately, we get a lot of like, hey, we're using it, and and you know, we're like, great, go for it, you know. Um, so we don't have a lot of, excuse me, data on the individual projects for the companies. We've got sixteen uh, companies that have signed on officially. So we do a, a quarterly call together and talk about best practices and, you know, kind of the, the lessons we're learning. So currently those 16 companies. So you're still actively involved in this. Yes. Yeah, so that's another thing is that Pearl street. So my role at Pearl street, Pearl street, uh, ceased operations entirely. So Matt and Ben's company is no more as Pearl Street. They're doing, you know, their their own thing. And I decided this was the perfect opportunity for me to just launch Trujillo. And um, but part of what we're absolutely maintaining is Matt and Ben are still using the inclusion writer. So not only am I using it still to negotiate on their projects or if they do a project and they need a consultant to come on and walk them through, I'm doing that work. But also everything for true, everything for Trujillo is under the inclusion rider. And then projects that I had in development at Pearl Street are now transferred over to Trujillo. And those are all under the inclusion rider. So, oh, a hundred percent. That's not going anywhere. <laughs> Let's talk about Trujillo. Like, how do yes. we get started? What made you crazy enough to start your own production company? Oh, no. Right. Trying to figure that out every day. Um, Me too. Yeah, right, right. It's, uh, and so, right. I want to say, first of all, this is important. You know, we, none of us need to be reinventing the wheel, right? So, like, be, because so many of us are putting in so much time and effort 
we, you know, and then I see that happen a lot is like, oh, now we're going to do this thing. And I'm like, but you could put your time and energy and funds into this thing that already exists and support them, right? So so I didn't want Trujillo to reinvent the wheel. That was really important to me because there are so many production companies that I support. But one of the things that I've found, and it, it, this makes complete sense, and we even do it with sister brunches, that a lot of our companies in existence are very... Um, uh, kind of exclusive around uh, ethnicity, race, in a good way, right? So like you have the companies that really focus on black content and, you know, kind of uplifting black characters, and we need that. You have others that are for Native and Indigenous people and for Asian Asian folks. Trujillo, and it's because of my background, is like, what happens when all of us actually get together? Right. Like, so ours is like, what happens when that there's this couple on um, Grace Lee Boggs and James Boggs who were, she was a Chinese woman. He's a black man. They were civil rights activists in Detroit. And I'm like, who's telling that story? Yeah. Right. Where we are taking, and we're all, it's not, I'm not to say, to say that any of us are closed off to that, but it hasn't been our focus. So that's one of my focuses. What happens when we, especially black, brown, Asian, native, indigenous folks come together, mm -hmm. right? Like what are those relationships like? What is that? What happens there? Um, and then, but I will say this to the listeners. Um, I kind of fell into it too, because I had created a company when I was doing my one woman show and everybody on this call, y'all should know that you, you're going to have to create LLCs, right? If you're making if you're doing a film, you should create an LLC because that protects your personal assets. So it's all on the, you know, it's all on the film. So I did that when I was doing my one woman show. And then as the show was wrapping up, I was like, what can I do with this LLC? Right? Like, what can I do with this company? And I was like, I think I want to continue to help people tell their stories. And I think that means that it's a production company. And so I think I'm going to just jump in and do it and tell stories that uplift truth and pursuit of justice and service of love. So that's that's how it happened, really. One of the things that I, I'm such a big advocate around is, right, like fear is, there's always a reason why we can't do it. There's always a consideration of yeah. why this isn't a good time, why it won't work. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I heard you say is like, I had an idea and I just jumped and I said, I'm going to do it. Right. Like you, we don't have to have all the pieces figured out. We don't have to have all the information you and, and you, no. you lived, you lived a little bit of life. You have a little bit of experience. Yeah. <laughs> so so you some stuff to bring in. <laughs> exactly. Right. And you, yeah. I'm pretty sure you probably, there was, Tell me a little bit of, I'm not going to speak for you. I want you to share a, a little bit about what supported that leap. What helped you to take mm. that jump and say, I'm, I'm going to just do it. Mm, yeah. Um, well, so to, to your point about jumping in, it's so funny because I just sent out our newsletter. I do a monthly newsletter at Trujillo. So if you go to www.trujillo.com, you can sign up for the newsletter. And, um, and it's really, it's, it's, um, putting my shit out there because sometimes it's good shit and sometimes it's dog shit. But if I don't put it out there, then I'm constantly, I turn, you know, it becomes like analysis paralysis. And, and then when I wait until it's perfect and put it out there, which is then 10 years later or whatever, right. Then people go, Oh, she's so good at that thing. I can't put my stuff out there as opposed to no, it's a process. This is a process and the process is messy on purpose because you can't get to the beauty without taking a kind of messy, ugly, scary, bad dog shit process. And too many of us, I think, you know, just are jump into the like, it's got to be all perfect. And I'll say you got to be working towards that, right? Like if you're going to put your process out there, don't just put some dog shit out there and leave it. Put some dog shit out, clean it up. 
Then you get it, you know, then you get a little next dog shit. It's a little tidier and then you clean that up. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. But, but let us see it because yeah. you are educating us where we, we get to learn along with you. So I, so in that sense, I have always, I, I'm, I'm fortunate that I, I have done that. I did that with my show as I was developing it. I was like, this is what this show is about. And then a week later, no, it's not about that. It's about this. Right. And you keep, I allowed yeah. it to kind of like marinate and then listen to people, you know, take in, um, you know, the interactivity and other folks stories to figure it out. So I, I, I honestly think that's what pushes you to, to do something like creating a production company is the first step is just saying, I'm creating a production company. And then you jump in and <laughs> you go for it. And you just do it. I love all that. I was just listening to uh, Jim Rohn earlier today, who is just okay. this phenomenal American businessman. And mm. oh, he's a, he's a great teacher. He's a great leader. I believed he's deceased now. But Mm. What he was emphasizing, and I was just like, I'm in heaven listening to this. It's not about the destination. Right. Everything in life is about journey, is about process, yes. is about progress. Yes. It's about who you are becoming in pursuit of, right? Because yes. once you get the, once you sign the papers, you do the LLC, you got the production company, now what? But who did you become in pursuit of? What muscles did yes. you strengthen? What did you learn? What did you yes. push up against? What did you teach, right? What did you gain? So now the production company is 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 locked in, is solid. Now what? Now you get to create. Now you yes. get to tell a story and you get to be fully immersed and present to that process. So you saying, I'm like, I'm over here like, <laughs> With no pants on, jumping up and down, and like putting up my friends, like oh my gosh, heaven. So what, like, what are y'all creating? What are you doing? Is there? Yes. Is there I, I gotta sign up for the newsletter. I need you to do know. Have to, please sign up for the newsletter. Yes. yes, sign up for the newsletter, and and um, yeah. So I just brought on a social media manager, this beautiful young woman named Camille Moore, who I met through an alumni network. She, she went to my school, University of Michigan, and she ran the Black Film Society. Um, so she's, she's kind of out of school, moved out to LA, and you know I'm like, oh, this is perfect. So she's wonderful. Um, we are, in terms of projects, we have uh, the, the feature film Flash Before the Bang, which is the first film of its kind because our director is deaf um, and our producer is deaf. And so this is a story of a, a deaf track star who leaves his hearing school to go to the Oregon School for the Deaf. And it's the year that that school, it's 1986, it's the year that the Oregon School for the Deaf wins the state championship in track. And so it's this very inspiring, you know, sports oriented story, but with a deaf filmmaker. And so I love this one. Flash Before the Bang. It's our feature film. We're, we're, we're moving into, we're really close to being fully funded on it. So we'll move into- Mansion, I, I literally have chills. Like, oh. what? <laughs> what? Like, yes. you, you gotta tell us, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to go sign up for the newsletter. Okay, I sign up for the newsletter, yep. You can follow on social, yep, yep. So that's one of those ones where, and I do every Friday, and actually I encourage all your listeners, and, and you too, so every Friday on our Trujillo Instagram, I do, um, I do Filmmaker Friday. So I highlight everything that I did during the week that was towards making movies like whether it's what we're doing this week for for flash before the bang what true what meetings i have for trujillo who did i network with this week so and 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 listen i need some interactivity because i always say like what's your true what's your friday film you know filmmaker friday hashtag it add it to the posts because that's what like let's it, we just said i want to be public about the process you know what i mean so this so filmmaker friday every friday on trujillo uh, it's at trujillo media on instagram um so we also have a docu series you will love this one shirley i'm sure that highlights um black and latina tech entrepreneurs who are on the path to raising their first million dollars <laughs> 
that's called Raising, um, and that's doing really well. We, we're we're making we're we're pitching that one out right now. Oh, um, who are you? <laughs> you are the gift I didn't know I needed. I'm going to go on. I'm gonna print out your photo and post it on my refrigerator, and that is gonna. You stop. When, when I want to look at what intention and purpose looks like. That's but go ahead. What? Okay, but I'm like this is that's that's this. That's what you're doing. Um another one is a children's animated TV project and this is based on the work of a civil rights leader named Bob Moses. He passed away about a year and a half ago. Um he created a theory around um using math skills to um uplift underserved communities and that math is a civil right in the same way that literacy. So math, he focuses on math literacy. So this is about this kind of group of kids in, in Boston near where I grew up with Matt and Ben, um, and them kind of using math to solve different problems around their neighborhood. And it's based on an AR app for kids that can take this app out into their neighborhoods and measure like it's for communities, local parks, um, they can measure, like, for example, they'll go to the baseball field and they can measure the baseball field in inches or feet, but also in panda bears, in giraffes. So this is, it's based on the characters that are used in that AR app. So I love that one too. Yeah. Those are just some of the things we're, we're doing at True Delo. <laughs> oh, just some, just some of the things. I'm, I'm still super, first of all, all of that is phenomenal. So purposeful again so intentional so for the people for and like our babies learning about math and like hearing the the deaf director telling a story of like what all these things i'm like amazing and then integrating things that are so dope and current and relevant to our culture tech and sports and and oh my gosh but i'm super excited about uh, being introduced to your filmmaker Fridays because of the transparency. I like yes. and when I think I literally was talking to um, I talked to Trey, my associate producer, mm-hmm. and my social Hi, media. Hey Trey, it's yeah. like my gift from God. And mm-hmm. my I talked to my social media uh, uh, manager about this all the time, and I'm like. I can't even get on social anymore. Like when I get on is to post something inspirational and I get off because Mm. it's so fake. It's so not what life is, right? And I'm always telling them, guys, I want to be transparent. I want to be where people can come and they can can see that this is, this is true. (laughs) This is true. This is honesty. This is what, what the process really looks like. And it's, it's all these messy things. Um, yeah. but I, I'm, I'm about to be tuned all the way in yes. because and the, that well, is what I'm gonna, I need. I'm going to challenge you then to do a filmmaker Friday. So you don't have to do it tomorrow because you know, we're, I'm just, but if you want to, you can Done. do one tomorrow, look at it. Yep. And then, yeah. And, Done. and, and again, even the thing is like, so there's the, there's my transparency of what I've done during the week. Then there's also the transparency of. I'm learning how to use Canva to make animated GIFs for this video. And so the first time I put it out, it doesn't look good as the next week. And yeah. the next week it gets better in the next, right? So it's it's both. It's both like, this is what this is the, what you do in a week to be, to have a production company, to be a filmmaker. And this is how you even learn the process of sharing it in a way that is filmic, right? Or a way yeah. that's aesthetically pleasing is, and you don't get it right, but if you don't put it out there, you're never gonna do it. Speaking yeah. of which, I gotta take a picture of us right now because this is gonna go, this is the video for tomorrow's Filmmaker Friday. <laughs> and this is what you did. You came and you blessed the Hugh You Know audience with your your insights, your experience, your faith, your love, your <laughs> all your goodness. I'm just so grateful. Tell me a little bit. If there are any, and I'm pretty sure there are, uh, Jim Rohn also says, uh, if if you don't have problems, go find some. <laughs> but mm. what what would you say are some of that's a that right? Not everybody's ready for that because adversity breeds 
it, it breeds awesomeness. But 100%. what um what would you say are some of your biggest challenges being a mm. business owner, being a the, mm. the owner of a production company? Yeah, it's um it's honestly it's it's the personal. And that that's what because so the the logistics of having a production company are things that everybody can learn. As a matter of fact, to, our, my post today for Trujillo on Instagram is how to trademark, because that was one of the and and as a matter of fact, the reason that I had to learn how to trademark is because I had been burned in the past, and somebody trademarked something that I co-created with them, and you know tried to x me disappear me from. So I think that that was a challenge. That was this barrier that. I, it took me down for a while because it was a betrayal of friendship. It was all these, but then I turned it into, oh no, I, I need to use, that was a, that was business. Now I don't like that person anymore. And, but like, but that's business, right? But in fact, my therapist told me when I was crying in her office, like, how could this happen? She said, you, if you're doing a business, all is fair in business. Yeah. So, so I would say that, that one of the problems is when we do work from the heart, we do work from love mm -hmm. and that sometimes comes up against business and they are two very different things. Ooh, and it's so hard. Ooh. It's so hard to learn Ooh. that lesson. Mm -hmm. Because I want to love everybody. I want right. to be like, you know, look anybody who comes my way i'm like how can i help you how can we do this together yeah. and i don't think anybody is malicious purposely but people have been hurt yeah and instead of um kind of working out their hurt they hurt others mm -hmm. and uh, and so I, I, a big a big uh, problem is just like separating heart from business is yeah. definitely a challenge yeah. Um, also I lost my, my mom in January my mother passed away mm -hmm. and it is again, the, um, the ways that personal enters into your business because she was my everything. Her, her yeah. name was Trudy. And so my T R U in Trujillo is both mm -hmm. truth and also Trudy for my mom. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I had launched Trujillo earlier but when my mom died, that was it for a month and a half, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, and it was that like being okay with stepping away from my business to do everything I needed to do to mourn my mother, to spend time with family, mm -hmm. to reevaluate Trujillo even yeah. now that she's not here. Cause a lot of it was born out of her. You know, mm -hmm. um, so I, for me, it's a lot of the, it's, it's interesting that it's actually a lot of the personal, the, the, the big barrier that everybody on this call knows about is, is, um, we don't, they don't fund black women owned companies. They don't pay attention to, you know, like that's our big barrier, but I have a lot of hope there. Yeah. I have a lot of hope because of you, because of who, you know, because of, you know, woke you, um, I see a lot, I see a, a lot of ways that the problems we have can be solved through community, through loving up on one another that can happen. Yeah, I agree. You just said so much good stuff. One, um, we are we are always both the problem and the solution mm. when it <laughs> when it comes down to to funding right like i love how you just worked in the community aspect we like my one of my dreams is to create this massive fund where i can find a way to 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 seed and and to fund my brothers and sisters work their creative work yes. their businesses whatever yes. it may be because I, I knew that's that's why I did the hand thing. I knew that's where you were going. It's it's yeah. money, which is a tool, which is a resource, and it's the tool and the resource yeah. that we need to help 
right? Get us to the next level. And then thinking about the way that we function and run businesses, we are both the problem and the solution. It starts with us. Like you said, the logistics is going to be the logistics. That's really the easy part. It comes Mm. down to self and how we deal with self, how we respond to life, Mm. right? Like you did, you took a very responsible act at a a time that I could imagine is very difficult where you were like, I gotta, I'm gonna be responsible. I'm gonna take a beat. I'm gonna deal with the things that have to be dealt with and acknowledge Mm -hmm. my feelings, mourn my mom. And when Mm -hmm. I'm ready, get back to business. And that's, again, we are, we are all, we are the solution to it all. Um, I love that. Talk, talk to me a little bit about Sister Brunch. I was listening to episodes today. So hype. I was like, yes, y'all. Oh, thank you. It's so that, that goes back to your point about just stepping out there and doing it because we, so Anya, my co-host, Anya Adams, she's this incredible director who started off as a, um, a DGA trainee and then became a first AD. So she, um, and, and in fact, in the DGA trainee program, the mentors of color, the women were like, there's going to be what you learn in the DGA program. And then we want to have a little gathering on the weekends so that we can tell you the real deal. And they, I know. And they called the gathering sister brunch. So that, and then that got larger and larger and, um, and went outside, you know, when it started to expand outside of the DGA training program, Anya invited me to a sister brunch. And that was just when I was creating the inclusion writer and people were like, we can't find anybody to hire. And I sit down at this sister brunch and I was like, they are all right here. I was meeting line producers, like all the roles, especially the ones that they tell us we're not in, you know, you can't find us. And we were all in Anya's backyard and there was everybody, you know, having a beautiful time, but speaking truthfully, plainly about what it's like to work in the industry for us. Mm. And so I said to Anya, I was like, what if everybody got to hear these women's stories? People need to know these women. They need to know who they are. They need to hear these stories. And so that's how Sister Brunch got born. And Anya and I were like, let's just go for it. But we were lucky we found a, a, an incredible uh, producer, Christabel Nsiabwadi, uh, and she had done work on NPR. So she she knew how to wrangle us into an actual show. Um, mm-hmm. But we yeah, we completed our third season. We're going into pre-production on a fourth season. We're going to keep going because that we can only do, you know, we only do about, uh, I think we do 10 or so per season. I'm like, there's so many women, Shirley, you know, you on our list now, you know, there's some breeze on the list, right? Like there's so many women who we, and we deserve not just the line item, you know, on the budget or the, you know, the title and the resume, we deserve our stories told. And that's what I love of these women tell their story from seedling of when they got the idea about storytelling, why they did, how they got into the industry. Um, and it's just, it's my, it's my love. It's my love. <laughs> Once again, you using your artistry to advocate, like you are the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> um, I, I have this question because again, yeah. I love transparency and I, I, mm. I feel like Everybody, I don't care where you are in life, how successful you may occur to be. Like, I feel like everyone is trying to figure something out. And you are very transparent in that with your, uh, with Filmmaker Fridays and, and your newsletter mm. and, and, and the, all the shares that you just gave us. Is there anything specific? Because I'm, I'm always trying to demystify this thing that people got mm. stuff figured out now. I'm always mm. Oh yeah, I ain't got shit figured out. Let, I'll just, <laughs> if that's the question, I'm doing this shit by the seat of my pants. The, the way that my newsletter happens is, I put my fingers on a keyboard and whatever the hell comes out, and then I press send, and some, there's a lot of shit. Let me, let me just reiterate. I'm putting a lot of shit out there. So, the, the, it, and that's why I'm doing it, is because 
I spent too much of my life trying to wait until it was perfect or like it's so I'm yeah I I hope here's my hope I hope when you read the newsletter when you look at at you know the social media when you look at anything I hope that you go I can do that better <laughs> no lie because one, number one I like that's what I live for is I, I, my mom told me, my mom said, work, work so well that you work yourself out of, out of a job, especially in DEI, right? If you, if you know, like, let's be real, all the DEI, like 99% of the DEI people are light skinned and mixed. That's a problem, right? Like, and, and that's not to say we can't advocate and we can't, but like the fact that we don't have dark skinned women in DEIA positions says everything about the industry, right? Mm. So I need to do my job so well that a dark skinned woman would be doing my job better than I do my job, mm. right? And and I and then and just like Matt and Ben had to step aside and make room, you know, that I asked them to step aside and make room, I need to step aside and make room. I need to do that from a place of, cause I understand how the industry works. We all got to like push to get this happening. Yeah. But the, I guess that's just there, there's the, there's the, um, production of things, but that that's literally just like, I got to tell you, I, when TikTok came out, I was like, oh hell no, not another and then I was like, oh, this pushes you to try to figure out how to tell a story in 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. And that's a skill. Mm -hmm. That's a big skill that yeah. some young folks can get on there and do it. And I'm like, well, damn, I can't do that. It takes, I got to make 50 TikToks to learn how to do one good thing on TikTok. Mm -hmm. But instead of making them for myself, I'm just putting them out on TikTok. And then I'm gonna make another one. I'm gonna get a little bit better. I just want to be clear. Not there. My my show was good, but my show was good because I did it for seven years. And my show was good because I was writing my show for about forty years. I was thinking about that show in my head all the time since I was like ten years old. It took me that much time. It took me that much life experience. It took me that much learning how to write you know, and, and consuming other people's projects and ideas, but not everything can be that. Yeah. And, not, and that couldn't be that if I hadn't, listen, I got cut out of two Ben Affleck movies. Ben tried to help me out as an actor and I was terrible and I got cut out twice. <laughs> That's when Ben Affleck puts you in a movie and you get cut out, you know, you ain't good. Right. So that's just to say it's the other thing that's very important is the standards that have been used to tell us whether or not our work is good have been mm -hmm. European standards and they are extremely limited. We're the, we're the ones with the perspectives because in order to survive every day, we have to understand white people we have to understand european perspective so we know ours and we know theirs they don't know ours no they never had to so when we do our work our work is always so much broader yes. it's it's better let's be real like mm. our work is because it encompasses all of our perspectives that even if you're putting out what you deem to be not your greatest work it's still, but it's coming from this perspective that we don't get to hear from. And that makes it great in and of itself. Yeah. 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 So you got me, you got me on. <laughs> you know, I, just, I mean, I'm like, go give me more. <laughs> yeah. Just don't, you know, just don't let those standards, the only standards we have to have for our storytelling, and these are not European. These are just good standards, good audio you know, beautiful, aesthetically pleasing visuals, right? Like we know, we know the things that we need to have. Our skin yeah. is different. You know, we have all different skin tones. So we need to make sure that our DP knows what they're doing. We get our lighting mm -hmm. right, right? Mm -hmm. 
that every that's not European standards. That's just standards for you want your audience to be able to see you and you want them to hear you yeah. well, yeah. right? But from there, we have so much richness in our histories and our stories and our daily survival in our joy, in our resistance, our resilience. Our stories are good. So good. They're so good. They're so good. So good. They're afraid of our stories. That's another thing. That's why they don't hire us. They, cause you know, they hear what we can do and the stories we can tell and they get very scared. They get very scared. That's a, that's part of why we don't work is it's not just because they're racist. It's because they're afraid of our power. Horrified. <laughs> Horrified. And every time we, we get that little inch, we show what we do. Absolutely. And it's always amazing because it's always. from our truth. It's from our truth. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Tell your story, tell your story, tell your story. Do a Filmmaker Friday. Do a Making a Movie Monday. I, I'm going to try to implement that one. Do it. You know, like, just put it out there and let us watch you grow because you teach us. You teach yeah. us by letting us watch you grow. Yeah. I love that you. I mean, you have just inspired me. I'm I'm ready Good. to like go, go, share <laughs> go and be it. transparent. And yes. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, we are getting ready to wrap out, but quickly. Yes. Uh, also, can you just uh, spell out your um True your website? Yeah. Yes. www.trujulo. So it's uh truth justice love so t-r-u-j-u-l-o.com truejulo.com and then instagram at truejulo media t-r-u-j-u-l-o media i love it and just to just to put a little button on this i always want people to have more than our conversation but tangible things they can walk away with are there any resources that where people can find jobs learnings anything that you you advocate for definitely so on our instagram we do tjl opportunity almost every tuesday and that is where we're posting opportunities things either um you know things you can apply for uh, funding grants um events uh things that you should know about so we do that on tuesdays and then if things come in and there's a deadline we do it a little bit sooner all of the information for the inclusion rider is also at Trujillo. So it's trujillo.com slash inclusion rider. Or if you just go to trujillo.com, you'll see the link. Click on that. It gives, we've got a video that we made with color of change that walks you through those four steps. Then we've got the individual inclusion rider. We've got the company inclusion rider. The Grammys used it. So we've got the Grammys inclusion rider. We've got the fashion industry inclusion rider. So all of those templates are there for you. Um, definitely go to Film Independent, filmindependent.org and learn about all of their resources, their programs. That's an excellent program. It is for us. They encourage truthful storytelling. So mm -hmm. I would say that I think that's one of my favorites. And then Sister Brunch, oh my gosh, sisterbrunch.com, S-I-S-T-A-B-R-U-N-C-H.com. And listen to our episodes, uh, send us reviews, please. We appreciate your reviews on Apple and Spotify, anywhere you find the podcast. Um, but tell your story. Let me see your Filmmaker Fridays, most importantly. <laughs> hey, and they can sign yeah. up for the newsletter on the website. Yep, as soon as that first page, um, about the middle of the page, you can see the newsletter sign up. <sighs> Mansion, I'm just like, I love y'all. We're I'm gonna, it's I done. Know. We're <laughs> I'm gonna text you as soon as we wrap, and I'm gonna be Please. like, okay, how do yeah, we- Yeah, coffee, do we... We, we collaborations. Oh I see it all. It was all so wonderful. All the things. Yes. You, thank yes. you for your time. I, I like, all y'all, all of y'all powerhouses are super busy so time is time is precious and and our most expensive thing that we have so i'm very grateful that you spent it with uh with us so uh, thank, thank you. you thank you thank you thank you thank you and i'm gonna hit yes. you yes congratulations again. on the podcast we will be following thank you thank you <laughs> all right bye-bye bye-bye